Good evening, church. Welcome to Bible study tonight. I want to thank God for every one of us that have been able to come in right now to the meeting. I want to appreciate you all and thank God for today, Tuesday, um, and this beautiful evening. As our customers, we meet every Tuesday, um, every Thursday, and every Saturday online to share the Word of God together and learn um, as a body of Christ. Some people might be wondering uh, why, why do we have constant Bible studies like this? Because it's needful in this time. Um, it is important that we get engrossed in the word of God that we are kept by the spirit of God in this time in which we are in. I want to welcome everybody tonight and um, I encourage you to get set and um, I believe the Lord is going to encourage you and strengthen you and, and you will learn something again tonight as we study the word of God. Um, tonight I want us to go into the word of God quickly as we as we as we as we feast on the word, uh, Amen. I want us to go in question. Let's pray, Father. Thank you. We come before your word tonight, uh, full of expectation, hope, love, and joy. Thank you because we are we are strengthened. We have a reservoir in in your word to to stand and be confidently assured. To stand in victory, victory of the faith, victory and triumph of the cross, even in this time and in this dark world. We thank you because you are the light that lights everyone that cometh into the world. Thank you because we are in you and your light has shone in us. As we go in your word tonight again, Lord, open your word up to us. Now we understand and be strengthened by you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God tonight. Hallelujah. Um, quickly, I want us to 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 start um, a continuation of our study in the Book of Romans by you know by looking again. You see, if 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 you can if you can look through the heart of God by the Word, we can we can study the Bible almost every day. We won't exhaust it actually. Uh, who exhaust Bible study daily, daily study of the word. But Job um, 22 verses 21 and 22 um, says, Acquaint now yourself with the Lord and be at peace. That means the peace that we have as believers is engendered as we acquaint, as we, as we know the Lord. And as we know the Lord, we know his peace, good comes unto us. 22 says, receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in thine heart. Receive. How do we receive the law from his mouth? By the teaching. How do we lay up the laws in our heart? By hearing. And when we hear the word, faith is built. For Romans 10, 17 says, now therefore faith comes by word. By hearing and hearing 
the word of God. I read again Job 22, verses 21 and 22. It says, Acquaint now thyself with him that is the Lord, and be at peace. That means we can't be at peace until we are acquainted with God. It says, as we are peace, good accompanies the peace of God. That, that is, a, is an offshoot of our acquaintance with him. Receive, I pray thee, the law from the mouth of the Lord. And lay up his words in your heart. So that's the reason we do Bible study like every time. So we can, we can lay up his words in our heart. We can, we can acquaint ourselves with the word and stay strong in his word. Proverbs 4.20 says, my son... Pay attention to my words. Pay attention to my words. It says, it says, and, and be willing to learn. Amplified. Open your ears to my sayings. Do not let them escape from thine sight. You see that? As long as your eyes are open, don't let God's word escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. You see what Job, Job's friend was saying to Job? For they are life to those that find them and healing and health to all their flesh. Verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the spring of life. Psalm 19. I read from verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. You see why it's important? Because it makes us what? Wise. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And this, and this shows us the, the value of the word. And no, no sensible Christian will see this value of the word and not desire it. And no, no, no true church of God will, will see this word and the importance of the scripture and not latch on to it with everything they have. And that's why, like Pastor Richard and Brother and all, let's always enjoy us. Please join Bible studies. This is the reason. It's not because we want to mark numbers. No, we don't. But that we may grow together and become helpers of our joy and strengtheners of our faith together. And so this evening, we're going to continue looking uh, the book of Romans where we stopped. Um, last class on Thursday... We, we, we looked at Romans chapter 2 and we finished chapter 2 of Romans and then we're going to continue from chapter 3 today. Now, in my private study of the book of Romans, I am beginning to see the intricacies, the, 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 the background story um, that that the apostle um, 
went through and, and what the Lord uh, is trying to teach us by this teaching, by this writing. You see, the law of the Lord or God's revelation in the Bible is meant to be understood. It's meant to be comprehended because without comprehension, we cannot develop faith. And so God wants our faith to be built up. And so he communicated his will to us by the, by the writers of scriptures as God carried them along. And if you read the book of Romans, it's part of the, the sum plot of the revelation of God to us. So as important as Genesis is, so is Titus, is Philemon, so is Romans. So there's something God wants us to know in the book of Romans. Amen tonight. You know, there's a song that, that uh, we used to sing before the minister comes up. When, 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 when I was in, um, when I attended a military Anglican church. Whenever the vicar is coming up, the Zumuntamata means the women, Christian women fellowship. Zumuntam means fellowship, Mata means women. So the women fellowship will sing. God has something to say. God has something to say. Listen, listen, pay attention. God has something to say, and then they turn to some, and then they sing in English, in Pigeon, and in Hausa. And I believe God has something to say to us in Romans. And from what we've been seeing the Apostle Paul reveal, God is saying to us, the sinfulness of the human nature, and the depravity of man, and the need of man for a savior. And in particular context, is writing to a church in Rome that comprised of both Jews and Gentile congregation. And, and, and there'd been an existing discourse, an existing interpretation, an existing um, 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 argument, worldviews, and positions before Paul wrote this letter by the Lord. Remember that this church was not founded by either Paul or Peter, most likely from history, it was founded from, 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 from those who came to Jerusalem um, um, I mean, after two and went back to Rome and, and, and this church was established. So it wasn't Paul nor Peter that established the church. So this church was already thriving when Paul wrote to them. So they, they, they had certain understanding, just like Ephesus. When Paul got to Ephesus in Acts 19, he, Bible says he saw some disciples, some of them, and asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? He said, no, we've often heard it. So there are things they've not heard about. There are things they're arguing about. There are things that wasn't clear to them. And God made those things clear to them so that they can be clear also to us. And so in that church, there are all kinds of people there with different ideas. Jews and Gentiles. 
and the center of attraction to both of them was Christ. But they understood Christ differently. And so Paul is trying to harmonize their, their, their differences and, and take their positions and give them the position of God. And so we see from chapter 1 um, um, through verse, verse 17 how, how, how the Paul was eager to come to Rome. But before he comes there, he's writing to them and to, the, and to, to preach the gospel to them and lay to them again the foundations of the truth of God. Because without the true gospel, no one in any generation or any race can be saved. And verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that, word, that believes. Now, see the word to the Jews first and then to the Greek. Now, that word Jew first means there's, a, there's an existing argument already between the Jews and the Gentiles. Because, 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 because the Jews are um, opinion that salvation is of them. And therefore, they have a place. You see that more now as we go on. So they have a place. So the, the, the Paul cannot come and tell them something else. And the Gentiles must not, must not usurp their place in God. And, and, and all that we're playing out, and Paul wrote to them to clarify about the Holy Ghost. So Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And means every believer must understand for himself the gospel of Christ. For that is our tool, that is our strength, that is our, 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 our matching order. Why? Because, because righteousness, now, this is the main word, this is the base of the argument, the, 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 the way men attain what? Unto righteousness. The Jew says it's by the law and by works of the law and, 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 and the Gentile is by what? It's by faith in Christ. So we so we'll find faith alone and we we'll find works alone. And so there's this dichotomy and we're all in the same assembly. In fact, you know I mentioned to you the last time that 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 the 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 the, 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 the emperor um, 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 Claudius had to send the Jews out of Rome at the point that's why you read in Acts chapter, chapter 19 uh, or rather 18 when, when Priscilla and Apollos came from Italy it was the decree that why they were arguing about Christus Christus is a variant of what of Christ in, 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 in Latin so in, in, in the assembly every time they come together there's an argument and it's on the base of one Christ who he is, what he has done, and what is accomplished. So there's a, there's, a, there's a misunderstanding, and Paul was set to address that unto them. Because their faith is founded on the understanding of who Christ is. She so says, For therein is what the righteousness of God revealed. Because some believe that God has. Already revealed his righteousness by what? By the works of the law. Some believe that, that Christ's righteousness is, is revealed only by what? By believing in what Christ has done. So there's a, there's, a, there's, there's a misunderstanding. But now to you and I, work is a position. So Paul is writing for us to know the, the, the foundation for, for, for justification. Because all have seen and come short of the glory of God. And that's what Paul is building his argument from. And the only way that any man can be justified, both Jews 
and, and Gentile is by word, is by the gospel. So we see that, and then in verse 18, Paul began to build argument for that and, 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 and said, he said, For everyone who is not justified by this way, the wrath of God what, abides on him. And because if men are not justified by faith in Christ, then they begin to have a form of their own righteousness, which is from a law, from certain rules, and that begins to what? Alienate them from the truth of God. And once they do that, God gives them up to do vile things, 18 through 32. And from verse 2, we also read that, that, that Paul was saying to the Jews there, he says, who are thou, O man, to, to judge another? You that says, don't do wrong, are you doing wrong? So he's, he's talking to, to hypocritical Jews, people who say something and don't do it. And also, this applies also to, to Gentiles, also who are what? Hypocrites. So God don't like people saying one thing and doing the other. Don't live dual life. Don't live one life at home and different life in church. Don't live different life in church, a different life at work. Let your life be as Christ. Let your yea be yea and your work, your nay be nay. And so Paul went on to build the argument um, um, that God, even in this, still wants men to repent. Romans 2 verse 4. It says, Or despiseth thou the riches of, of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth unto what? Repentance. So, both the Jews and the Gentiles have opportunity to what? To repent. That's why God gives long life to everyone, so to speak. So they have room for, to repent, for repentance. Pardon me. And Paul went on. To, to talk about about the impending also judgment that's coming from verse from verse eight, he said, "But unto them that are contentious, of verse seven, to them who by patient continuance in well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality into their life, verse eight. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, folks, anyone in the world today." It doesn't matter who the person is. It can be president or senator or, or a multi-millionaire. It doesn't matter that person's status in the society. Either rich or blind and seen. Greek, Greek, Gentile, male or female, born or free. Whosoever in the world today that is, that is contentious and is not obeying the truth but obeying unrighteousness, there's indignation. Amen. There's judgment. There's wrath coming. Is coming, and this must 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 jolt us to want to rescue as many as you can rescue. Now, if you have this assignment of God, then it will it will change the, the focus of your life because God is is depending on you, is sending on an errand to to rescue as many as you can. Just as Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel, you also must not be ashamed of Christ. For he says, if you are ashamed of me before men on earth, I also reward ashamed of you before my father and his holy angels. Because one day we shall all stand before God and his holy angels. So your life must must reflect this because this is what we've been called to as Christians. And the Paul is saying to them in, in their in their argument and in their discussions and in their in their counter arguments um, in the church in Rome. And then we came down and, and, and Paul began to say that 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 Jews means nothing. 
if you are not a Jew in the heart. And then all and all and all we come to chapter 3. Now when we read chapter 3, tonight I want us to read chapter 3 from verse 1 to 18 in particular. Because from 18, a new thought is built up. You know, the Bible wasn't written in verse and chapters. It was written in, in an epistolary method. Like a prose. But for the purpose of, of memory and, and, and readability and, 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 and retention, it was broken down to chapters, verses, and, 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 and so forth. So in, in chapter 3, Paul began again to further his, his argument. So this people can understand. So he's using a, a type of writing that, that, would, that would raise questions and, word, and answer the questions. So his thought is easily comprehended. But tonight, before we go on, let's read through verses 1 through 18 together. Shall we? What then had the Jew... Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much everywhere, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sins and mightest overcome when thou art judged. For if our unrighteousness commended the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is it God, is it God unrighteous or is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God had more, abound, uh, uh, more abounded through my life unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongue they have used deceit. The poison of ask is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. What an interesting read. But as we look at these thoughts, on the surface, it looks as though Paul was just writing. No, but you see, in deeper study, Paul was responding to people's thoughts, people's questions, and his own position. I'm going to show you now how to read. You know, Jesus always, Bible says, will, will read their hearts and will ask them, Why thinkest ye this way? 
knoweth not this, knoweth not that. He read their hearts and answered the question from their from the innermost being. And this is the twist in, in, in Romans 3. So let's now if you read verse 1, what does it how do you see verse verse 1 of chapter 3? It says, What advantage then have the Jew? Or what profit is there of uncircumcision? Now, this is a question from the Jewish sect. Now, if you are saying that, that all can be saved by faith, and we are all one now in Christ Jesus, then why did we receive the oracle from God from the beginning? So what is the advantage of the Jew? Because the Jew still wants the preeminence in the church on the basis of their receiving the law. But before I go into the verses tonight, I want you to, the, the cross of verses 1 through 18 is verse 9. So talking to, to, to verse 9 of this scripture, let's see together. Verse 9, it says, What then are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. So Paul is saying, I have proven to you in the earlier verses that both Jews and Gentiles are all what? Sinners before God. So this is the central theme of, of verses 1 through 18. So here, the Jew as a nation is not better than any other race in respect to the fact that all are sinners. You know, sometimes there's a fight from people to want to justify themselves. Mm. There's, a, there's a clamor to want for people to say that my, my position of, of finding God is the best. No one wants to submit himself to the, to the overview of God. God is saying, all have sinned. But some are saying, no, I don't think all sins should be equal. Me, I'm not as sinful as the other man. Therefore, you cannot categorize me as a sinner. So don't, don't invite me to church on the basis of sin. I am not a sinner because I know a friend that does much more evil than myself. You find these friends around you. In fact, some will tell you that they are more righteous than you yourself preaching to them for us. So they will say on the basis of that, don't even disturb me now. Don't let that bother you because, because that is not the true picture of God. Even though that comment should, should check you and make you live more right. But that doesn't mean that on the basis of that argument, you let go your trust to want to reach out to them with God. The only advantage is the oracle that God gave through them. We've seen that. From verse 9, the second point is this. The Gentile nation also is not better off either. So the Gentile cannot, cannot come and prove to the, to the Jew that they too are superior. Because there's a battle of what? Of superiority in the church. Because it was still early in time in the church life and church history. And the third point I will raise in that verse, verse 9 is this. 
both Jew and Gentile who claim on the basis of self-righteousness, detachment from material or physical entanglement or moral good standing, niceness, are also not qualified for justification. So Paul is saying here that this argument, both the Jew and the Gentile, who is not saved is under sin. Yeah, he's saying to us that every one of our family members and our cousins and our nieces and our aunts who are not saved are all under what? Under sin. No matter what position each of them holds. And so our responsibility is to understand that God is saying to you and I, rise up, like Paul is saying tonight, from his own vantage point, and, and that God is willing to justify the sinner if only he can acknowledge his sinful state and receive the Savior. Now come with me to verse 1. Uh, the first objection here is from the Jews. And Paul was responding to that objection. Now, let me show you this, that Paul is writing based on information. How do I know that? You find that in scripture, most of the time the apostle Paul wrote by the Holy Spirit, he was writing in response to certain ills in the church he has planted or the church that he has oversight over. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, he says, For he has been to me from the household of Chloe. That there's what divisions amongst you and fornication and all that. And Paul wrote to address every issue written to him. So he was writing from a point of, of, of information and understanding of certain problems. So he's writing in response to them. In fact, Romans 11, all right, Romans 9, read from verse 11 downwards. In fact, it says, Now, will thou say, O vain man, that is God now unrighteous, why will he judge the sinners if they are not elected? Paul now is so you, you are saying that. Is the process of this of this of this of this epistle. So three verse one, Paul was responding to the to the Jewish objection. They said, "Now, Paul, if you claim that the Gentiles have access, then what is our own role? What is our importance?" And Paul is responding in verse two: "The Jews hold a special place in God. The way of salvation has been given to them, but." They have no monopoly of God. Anyone who believes shall be saved. Right now, there's no, there's no dichotomy. The gospel is open to everyone. And we must know that. And we must push for it. We must be eager to share this message. You see that? The ordinance was committed to the Jews. But that does not automatically save them. It means, it means even though you are hearing the truth of God in church every day, every Sunday, it is not automatically that, that you are, you are, you are, you'll be blessed by the words you are hearing. It is the doer of the word that what that will be blessed. There's, there's a way we feel today when we hear the word of God. It makes us proud that we have the word of God. We are, we are wonderful. Yes, it is not being just what would that blesses us. It is doing the word we are hearing. The Jews felt this way. That, that because they have the oracle, they have the prophets, they have the, 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 the ordinance, they, they have Christ, they have everything. Therefore, automatically on the basis of what they have, they must be justified. Now, justification is key in this place. And let no man think 
he's justified and number two he discovers that he actually wasn't justified by the things he has done so it's not the truth we're hearing every day that blesses us yeah in a sense we are blessed by it but the ultimate blessing comes when what when we do those things and put them to active practice when we practice love we practice prayer we practice the word we practice accountability we practice endurance we practice patience when we do those things the word of god says then life comes to us then peace comes to us then we have the grace of god and walk in our members so the connecting point between between hearing and experiencing that good good word of god is is in is in the the desire to do it to actively put to practice that which you are hearing and so we see that the jews felt that automatically that saving grace should be applied to them for one of our process no it is not that way it comes by believing it comes by faith now there's a second objection here from the gentiles so Paul had the argument and they say in verse in verse um verse three see what it says for what if some did not believe who's speaking here the gentiles okay if paul says now 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 to them is giving what the oracles to them god gave jesus okay we agree the covenants but but how come with all this some of them still are not believing for if god has given these things then automatically they should believe without compulsion without even preaching for what if some did not believe shall the unbelief make the faith of god without effect so they are questioning and paul is answering the question here verse 4 the rejection and refusal of the jews cannot remain tonight can never upturn the faithfulness of god yes god has given them his word he has promised them salvation but even if they have refused it like they've done their refusal cannot upturn the faithfulness of God. For God will remain faithful to his word. So if this certain sect have refused the word, God still has himself a remnant. Amen. Remember Paul was saying in Romans 11, verse 25. 25. Please come with tonight. Talk with me there everybody. Romans 11, just go forward a little bit. You see how these questions and answers were just coming up. In, in Paul's analogy of, of these matters. Hebrews 11, 25. Let me read. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. What mystery? The mystery of the rejection of the word of the Jews. Their rejection does not show that God doesn't keep his word. God forbid. I'm coming to shortly. But hear what he said. Uh, it says, blindness is in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile is coming. Verse 26. And so all Israel, you see that now, so a time will come, even though this sect now are rejecting me, but I have for me a remnant that shall believe. And therefore Paul is saying, God will always keep his word and save those who yield to him. So when you preach to someone and the person is not yielding, don't lose hope. Amen tonight. 
Someone comes to you, someone, you've got someone, and the person keeps coming to you, and, and, and he, he, he keeps saying, no, 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 don't, 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 don't draw back. This is what Paul is addressing here. If they've heard the truth, why then aren't they yielding? If you've lived the right life, why, they are, why yet aren't they yielding? They've seen the things you do. They've seen your lifestyle. That it is giving glory to God. In fact, they've openly told you, we love your faith. Yet, they are still not yielding to the same faith of Christ. Don't let it bother you. God is faithful. At the fullness of time, he will reach out to them. John 4. Christ was speaking. To the disciples, talk about John chapter 4 tonight. Let's read from verse 13 of John's gospel, the fourth chapter. Let me show something there, pardon tonight. John 4, we read from verse, rather, let's come to verse 26. And he that reapeth received wages and gathered fruit unto life eternal. Now, now listen carefully, hear that. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may receive or may rejoice together. You see that there, there, you see, in every act of evangelism or soul winning, there are different times and different levels and different involvement. Jesus said that some people they are the ones that sow the seed, some bringing what they harvest. But at the end of time, both he that soweth and he that reapeth shall what? Rejoice together. So you might not know that the things you are doing, the life you are living, even though it's not bringing food now physically, but ultimately is part of the seed you are sowing for eternal life. So the Gentiles ask, now if they don't believe, does that make God unfaithful? No, Paul says, God forbid. God is working in his counsel. One soweth, another reapeth. But God takes the glory. And so Paul is saying here, no, that, 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 that when, when, when the gospel is preached to someone, it comes as a seed. At other times, it comes as a harvest. First Corinthians, he says, Paul waters, Paul plants. Apollo does what? Waters. But who does it increase? God gives the increase. So we must not be, be discouraged after doing some, some evangelistic work in prayer and in action. And it seems as though, yeah, there's no commensurate result. No, don't, don't force it. Don't, don't manipulate it. Don't, don't, don't skew it. Don't, don't, don't create false results. Just trust God that, that there'll be a world dream at a point in time. An eternity. Both he that sowed and he that reaped shall rejoice together. So we see that Paul is saying this here. And, 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 and he quotes Psalm 51 verse 4. Because he's saying that, that, that now the, the Gentiles were, were accusing and saying that, that, that in this case then God is unfaithful. If, if, if his word cannot save the Jews, Paul says no. Now let's look together Psalm 51 verse 4. From the Amplified. In fact, verse 3 says, Unto you, O Lord, have I sinned. Psalm 4, verse 3. Verse 4 says, Against you, you only have I sinned, and done that which is evil in your sight. 
so that ye are justified when you speak your judgment or your sentence. Now, it means for everyone God judges, God is what? Justified. So let no one says God is unjust because that is sacrilege. And that's what Paul says. If you look at verse, verse, verse 4, he says, God forbid. Let God be true. Let God be true. So God will always keep his word. God will always come through. Yeah, the word came to the Jews, but now they aren't believing. No problem. God is still faithful. Now, the unfaithfulness of man cannot annul the faithfulness of God. So what do we do? What do we learn from here? Yeah, some people can, can get the best of the preaching. Yet their life is not changing. Now, we don't judge God on their behalf because of their inability to yield to God. Let no man at any time judge God unfaithful. In fact, it says here, it says that, that so that you are justified when you, when you judge and faultless in your judgment. So God's judgment is what? Is faultless. Paul is arguing for the defense of God from the heart of this Gentile believers who are asking questions based on the on the on the on the on the on the output of the Jewish brethren in the same assembly. Let's go on this this evening. The fifth point here is this. In verse five, someone says, "Now in this point, actually, it was Apostle Paul himself that was raising this this objection." On their behalf and answering it. How do I know that? Look at chapter 5. The last line there. It says, I speak as a man. So in this case, he's the one speaking by who? By himself. So the apostle Paul asked this question as a, as a follow-up to, to what is explained in the previous verse. That God is justified when he judges and that he is acquitted and faultless in his judgment. God's word can't be broken down what he's saying here. Building up his case. As believers, we must know that God is always right. It is not something, you see, you see, you see what, what makes a thing good is not it being good. It's what, God, it's, it's what God does about a thing that makes it good or bad. God is, is pure. God is, is high. God is far above. God is holy. God is righteous. His thoughts are pure. There's no impurity with him. There's no injustice with God. There's no unrighteousness with God. There's no unmerciful with God. God is full of mercy, full of grace, full of compassion, full of pity, full of love, full of, full of mercy. There is nothing un, un, unholy in God. Even God's wrath is actually in what? His holiness. Everything God does is based on his holiness. God forbid that God is, is, is God, when we point a, a wrong finger against God. Let God be true. Let God be faithful. And let all men in all ages be what? Be liars. Our Paul said there. So verse 5 came. But if our righteousness commend God's righteousness, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. So what he said here, invariably is this. A worldly heart of both the Jew and the Gentile may use the knowledge of God's faithfulness 
to have an excuse to continue to work to sin. Now, can we now say, because we know God is merciful, God is gracious, should we now continue to sin and think that our righteousness will commend what? God's righteousness? Verses, chapter 6, verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Again, anathema, God forbid. So there's a position here that Paul is, is, is trying to communicate to us by the help of the Spirit of God. That God is righteous. That God's mercy should not lure us to continue to sin. That God is someone acting like he acted in Acts 5 by destroying um, 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 Agnes and Sapphira when they lied. Should not make us feel that, that God has left his work. No, God is still there. He's just long so We must not use that to continue. We must live right. That God in Numbers 10 destroyed Nadab and Abihu when they, when, they, when they came to the altar and presented a strange fire and God judged them. And today, God is so long suffering. Is it that God has, has relinquished his, his is this throne of vengeance and judgment? It says, God forbid. No, those things aren't excuse enough for us to continue to sin. If all sin cannot overthrow God's faithfulness, is it not unjust for God to punish sin? They ask him. If the sin of man, all the sin combined, are not enough to 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 you know to to, to 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 make God unjust then then why should we not continue to sin that would ask you in other words let nobody threaten you with sin or with repentance from dead works those things are gone since the grace of God actually covered for all sin and God can't be angry with sin, his love and just forever. Why then? Why can't just continue to sin? Because the more we sin, the more grace abounds. Paul says that is not the case. He says, God forbid. For every time you say what God forbid means, it means it's an anathema. Don't it means don't think about it. Don't let that thought cross your mind. That God condones evil. That God condones sin. No. Don't let it pass. Because if you do that, you begin to come to a place where you begin to live a permissive and sinful life. With, in the guise that God is not angry at sin. Christian believers, the church of God, God hates sin. God wants his church clean. And that's why it says we should come out among them. 2 Corinthians 6. Let's tell it to everybody. Because this idea permeates the church. You know, Mr. Pastor, why are you so much about sin and righteousness? Because that's all we find in the Bible. This is what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach the church. Except we are not the church of God. If we are the church of God, then we must live by the precepts and the teachings of Scripture, the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of, of the Word of God. And this is what the Bible says. 
Verse 6 of that scripture. See what it says there. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? So if you claim that God cannot judge because of his overbearing mercy and long-suffering. No, you can't think that way. Because the Gentiles are thinking this way about the Jews. So if God gave them the law, yet they are not believing. Then how come then we have been here? Paul says, no, you can't think like that. For God will ultimately judge the world in righteousness. So a line must be drawn. We'll read that talk through down to verse 8. And when we come to verse 9, it's clearer now. It says, what then? Are we better than the world? Are we the Jews? Because Paul says, he too is the Jew. And, and in this case, we also as believers, we mustn't see ourselves better than others. We are all on the same, including me and you. But we have received work, mercy and grace. Let no man, let none of us think of ourselves more highly than we ought. But we must continually follow the word and stand against those who oppose the truth. But not in pride, not in arrogance. Ephesians 6, if any of you who are most ready to find somebody in fault, let you who are the word reconcile and bring that person back in the spirit of what? Meekness. In the church of God, there's room for correction. But must be done in love. Because if you do it in arrogance, you might likely fall into the same trap. For this is the law. So be careful how you correct a brother. Don't do it to pull them down. Do it to encourage them. Do it carefully. Talk to everybody. Galatians 6. I'll read from verse 1. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, because we can be overtaken by what? By fault. Because we are still in this world. Our vile bodies have not been changed yet. We can make a mistake. And when you make a mistake as a Christian, don't run from God. Rather, run toward God. Don't be ashamed of God's people. No. Expose it. Show them. It says, he that covered his sin will not what? Will not prosper. But he that confesses and then forsakes them shall obtain mercy. So we mustn't act like the Jews. It says, brother, if any man of you be taken in the fault, ye which are spiritual or mature, restore. So to restore. So to restore. So there's a room for restoration back. We are called to the midst of what? Of restoration and reconciliation. To the war. This is because people to the church is what? Restoration. In the spirit of what? Meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Turn back to Romans now. So Paul says, what then? Abraham, they say no. But we have proven that both Jews and Gentiles are all on the same. So everyone, no matter the class, you know, sometimes when we preach to celebrities, they preach strange gospel. You don't tell them they need repentance. You are afraid when they preach to a rich person, they try to, to mend the gospel to, to, to please and suit them. No. He said we conclude. See it again. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Both the rich, both the poor, both the male, both the female, everyone born on that on, 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 on this planet is all other what under the judgment and the condemnation of sin. 
Wow. As it's written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Now this is an array of the state of man. So if any man thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And don't let us as Christians help men to see themselves outside what God sees them. Amen. In our quest to show forth our love and our life for redemption, don't let's help them see themselves outside how God sees and perceives them. For until a man sees himself in the light of God, he will not appreciate the provision of grace. So Paul began to tell both the Jews and the Gentiles what state they were in. No wonder in Ephesians chapter 1, 2 verse 1, he said, You had it quickened, who were dead in what? In your sins and your trespasses. He says in verse, in verse, in verse, from verse 11, there is none that understandeth. So I say none. Even those that think they understand, outside Christ, God is saying that they don't understand. There is none that seek after God. Is that clear enough? There is, you see, it's only now that we are seeking after God. After God has brought his word and given us grace for what? For redemption. So don't blame anyone who is not born again. For he can't seek God. He's, he's, his nature is not inclined to it. But that's why we have to persist and keep praying and keep living and, and don't live a duplicit life. Let's not our lives make the gospel difficult for them to what? To comprehend and to believe. None. Verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. You know the way? That word that is the word transgression and the word iniquity. And what sin means to miss the mark or to go out of the way. He said they've all gone in the way of Cain, in the way of Balaam, in the way of sin. All, not some. They are together become what? Unprofitable to who? To God. There is none that doeth good. Save some. No, not one. Hallelujah. God is making his facts as clear to the hypocrites that believe they are strong. He said, even you that think you stand, take heed lest you fall. For no one stands by his own strength. We all stand by the grace of God. And therefore, if we stand by the grace of God, then the, the unbelievers actually are standing on nothing. And therefore, we must be compassionate. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of us is under their lips. Wow. These are killers. Even though they put on lipstick, they pop clean hair, they ride good cars, they have good jobs, they have good homes, you know, they have good, 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 good houses. Everything about life to them is, is good. But it says, because they don't know God, ultimately, their tongue, their tongue, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it, 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 it's, it's as poisonous as the poison of an asp. There's no beauty in anyone who is not born again. No matter how beautiful they are. Wow. Wow. That's why if you read Psalm 73, the believer is asking, Lord, why are the unbelievers prospering? Why are they growing fat? Why are they prospering? Why are they having good things? God says, I'm keeping them for the day of repentance. But if they don't repent, then my wrath will come on them. Verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. 
Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God in their world. It shows they don't fear God. And if they don't fear God, they can't accept Him. The way of peace, the way of Christ is not in them. They seek no peace. For the only true peace is Christ. He said, my peace I give to you. He said, my peace. He said, no, I won't give it to you. He said, I'm good the Father. My peace shall abide unto you. He's called the Prince of Peace. And the way of this peace, the way of this Christ, the word, they do not know. Therefore, our, our passion should rise for them. Don't think a special message for the rich and different one for the poor. For the male nor female, Paul is saying, for we have concluded that all are under sin. I want to beg you to know the implication of being under sin. I'm going to show you tonight as I close. 17 says, the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. They don't know it. And once they don't know it, What happens to them? Come to Galatians chapter 2. I read verse 5. Or verses 4 and 5. I will end here tonight. This is what the Lord said to the church. So he set down understanding in their heart. So none look at say hi, but they come to get understanding and move to the preaching of the gospel. Let our church be a church focused on rich or original. Focus on living the life. Let me read verse 4 of chapter 2. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance? That was very from his perseverance of God. And long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God in his perseverance should lead men to what? To repentance. Verse 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, Treasure it up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Verse 9 says, We have proved that all are under sin. What pops up in your heart when you know that all are under sin? And when men are under sin, they are under God's righteous, justified judgment. What do we do? We pick up the gospel. We pick up compassion. But the seed of God that dwells in us, we don't pretend. We don't water it down. We don't, we don't, we don't bypass. We don't overlook. We intentionally minister. And I believe as God helps us, one of the tools by which we can start to use to minister is tracts. And by the grace of God, we're working on some tracks for church. And by the way, to that brought to me, there's something else I have for you to build up. Please, let's talk about this. So as you go out, the least you can do is to share a track with someone. That God might begin to prick their hearts. Peradventure, by sowing the seed of God. So Paul here is addressing these issues in this church. But God is using his, 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 his address to teach us what his view is about redemption, about justification by faith in Christ.
So as you sleep tonight, begin to wonder over the scriptures. All have seen and come short. We have proven both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. And no man can free himself. For none is righteous, not one. For God wants all men to be saved. But how shall they believe on, on, on whom we have not heard? How shall they hear except the preacher? How will they preach unless they are saved? As God sends us, men call on the name of the Lord. Romans 10, from verse 14, it says, For he that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But he can't call until they believe. He can't believe until they hear. He can't hear until you preach. Let your life preach. Let your words preach. Do the least you can to save the lost. Have compassion for the lost. For if nobody got to you with the, with the gospel, you might probably not have been saved by now. Even though God had in mind to save you. But the means by which men are saved is the means of the gospel. So let's take it serious tonight. Let it be in our hearts. Let's, let's encourage ourselves to stand strong in the word of the Lord. We're going to continue from verse 19 on Thursday by the grace of God. I believe you've learned something tonight from these thoughts and these words that the Lord is communicating with us day in, day out. Remember, it is those who do the work that are blessed, not those who have the oracle or those who hear it. I pray that you do as the Lord grant you wisdom and encouragement in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Thank you again, O God, tonight. Thank you for revealing this truth to us in your word. It's been there through ages and shall remain there until you come. And this truth will not change. For everyone that come in time in history to this truth that lives by it shall be blessed. And because in this time in history we have come before these words, Lord, help us do them that we may be blessed in our generation. Let our light shine. Give us clearer understanding. Lord, let passion and compassion well up in our hearts for the unsaved. As we hear this, Lord, we go out but to reach the unsaved and, Lord, encourage ourselves even in salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, because we know that we have believed. Therefore, we are saved. Lord, we appreciate the redemption. We thank you because as many as you lead us to, in word, in deed, in living, thank you because, Lord, you got access. Who be ashamed of you before men? Who preach? Because men are only justified by faith in Christ. Thank you tonight for praying with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you folks tonight. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you learned something again this evening. We will learn more again by the grace of God on Thursday, same time. God bless you. Have a happy evening. Good night. And God bless you. Amen.